0: Welcome to Origins, a podcast about the money behind the money. This podcast is created by Notation, a pre-seed venture capital firm based in Brooklyn, New York. We invest in product-focused teams on day zero. If you're starting a new company or want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital or email us at hello at notation.vc. If you want to work at a Notation Portfolio company, check out jobs.notation.vc. Austin Clements is a managing partner and co-founder at Slosson & Co., a pre-seed and seed stage fund rooted in economic inclusion, based here in L.A. Austin was a former principal at 10110 Ventures, where he played a role in investing in 50-plus companies across two funds, primarily focused on B2B and SaaS. He's a champion of inclusion in the L.A. ecosystem. He was a founding chairman for Pledge L.A., a citywide initiative that promotes diversity, equity, inclusion in tech. He was a graduate of Morehouse College and holds an MBA from NYU Stern. Thank you for
1: doing this. Thank you for coming down to Slauson, man.
0: Yes. Took the drive down this morning. I'm back in L.A. where I've done the last few of these podcasts. And we are in South L.A. Yep. Right off Slauson. Right. Which makes sense given the firm's called <laughs> Slauson and Co. But really appreciate you having us and doing this today.
1: Absolutely, um, this is. I might add, this is the first podcast that I've done, uh, certainly from Slauson and certainly from our our new new office. Uh, that's that as you could tell is not quite. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so we should yet.
1: we should set the scene. We're in <laughs> Austin office
0: which is currently under construction um and a few makeshift chairs but right below is a coffee shop called hilltop would you actually just repeat the, yeah. the story that yeah. you just so, told me so, yeah. that's kind of cool
1: <laughs> sure thing so my partner aj relan uh he started this coffee shop in south la oddly enough um there's we, we grew up right around here and and there's no starbucks even around here and. um it, it, it's it's kind of crazy. So the so he said he knew that the people in this area wanted something that was nicer, ni- higher end, a place to get fresh food and 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 good meals and whatnot. And uh, he started Hilltop. And uh, since day one, since it uh, since it opened in 2018, it's been super popular. He re- I mean more recently, after about a year after they launched, they ended up linking up with Issa Rae. Uh, she partnered, she, so now she's co owner, and they've expanded. Uh, to two additional locations, and they're going to keep growing from there. So Starbucks, look out. Um, amazing.
0: I don't know if you know, but my partner actually, my business partner in Notation, uh, roasts Coffee.
1: I did not know. We've had
0: it as as gifts over the years for startups and other folks that we work with. It has always been a dream to have the coffee shop right next to or or outside of Notation. So you are you are literally executing our our dream.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, the, the crazy part is like it's core to the story of how Slauson & Co. came to be, right? Like we're sitting in this coffee shop, seeing all these people, it's doing what people do in coffee shops, work on their business ideas, have meetings, all this. And it's like, there's so much talent in this neighborhood. You know, at the time I was with another firm, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but just sitting in this neighborhood, it just felt like such an untapped market and nobody's talking to this community and communities like this around the country and so how how can we provide the access and the resources that we sort of gained over our career um to this type of community to build something special and so yeah hilltop was sort of core to amazing because there's Hilltop. There's a barber shop,
0: and now there's a venture capital firm
1: right upstairs,
0: (laughs) which I
1: did anyone did anyone imagine? Nobody nobody saw that coming. I I guarantee we're the first venture capital firm on Selassie. The funny story about the folks in the neighborhood like
0: realize what you're (laughs) doing here. They will, they will in the next year
1: or two. Um, You know, we're doing some construction. We got some other stuff planned for this area. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's super exciting, you know, <laughs> it's funny when we were thinking about office space, we were like, you know, we have friends all around the city and people were right. like, oh, you could co-office with us in Beverly Hills. And like, it's like, I don't know if we could do a Slauson and co-firm in the mm-hmm. middle of Beverly, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, I mean, just background on, on the, the name of Slauson a little bit, like, you know, it was the neighborhood that we grew up, but, but Slauson is a 20 mile stretch that goes through South LA on one side of it. It's really blue-collar industrial um, land, and then it goes through a very like low-income but very culturally rich, mostly Black and Latino neighborhood. And then as it moves even further west, it actually ends in some of the highest concentration of Black wealth in the entire country. And we view that journey down Slauson almost as a metaphor for what we're doing and building right. capital and resources and connecting all those communities and opportunities. So it means a whole lot to us, and so... Very, very happy to have it here. And you guys are right in the middle. We're, we're, we're close, we're like closer, we're close, definitely closer to the west side, but it's like middle west, if okay. you will. So like, Just we thinking can't. Just through the metaphor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 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 exactly. Exactly. We're, we're at the top of a hill, which is why they named this, the, the restaurant Hilltop. Right. Um, it's actually one of the highest points in in LA. So tell us about your story. Yeah. Yeah. So. My story started uh, kind of around the corner from here. Right. So I grew up, born and raised in South LA. That's uh, Gardena and then Ladera Heights. Parents doing just fine. They were, my, my my dad was an uh, engineer. My mom's a doctor. They, uh, you know, both retired now, but like... Uh, they still I, live here? Yeah, they still live yeah. here. They're still down the street. Yeah. And, um, you know, they take care of my son all the time. So I'm over there all the time. You know, but grew up here, always really entrepreneurial. Uh started my first business at 16, doing like web development in a time when, and i I'm working with a lot of small businesses, actually helping them build websites at a time when I had to explain why their business would ever need a website. Right. Like this is like late nineties type stuff. Yeah. And then, and, and that was fun. That kind of exposed me a little bit to technology and to working with small business owners and entrepreneurs. So, yeah, so, so did that, but then ended up going to school, went to Morehouse in Atlanta, Um, loved that experience, came back, ended up working in investment management and finance and, uh, private wealth management specifically. Worked on a team that managed over a billion dollars, learned a lot about wealth in this country. Um, That was in LA. That was in LA. Yeah. Came back to LA after Atlanta. Learned a lot about wealth, learned a lot about investing, really kind of fell in love with investing. Um, Mind you, this is two thousand six, two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. So right before two thousand eight, I graduated two thousand seven. So <laughs> about yeah, the same, about age. same yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: And I worked for Lehman Brothers.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> I love so that you, that produces so to, a laugh now. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you said it because because it, all that yeah. comes with it, right? I yeah. mean, it shapes a lot about uh, probably how you think about being an investor. 100%. Period. Right? Like the euphoria that we've seen over the last decade, you're like, I, I, I see how quickly this can change. No doubt. So kind of similar experience, we stayed with them, weathered the downturn 2008 and, you know, and remember it like it was yesterday. Remember explaining to, you know, very wealthy people, like, I remember a guy had a conversation with me. He was like, how old are you? I was like uh, 22, 23. Mm-hmm. He was like, the amount that you lost me in the last week, it took me your entire life to get. mm mm-hmm. And, you know, like having a conversation with something like, like where it's real, it becomes mm-hmm. very, very real. Yeah. These aren't hypothetical numbers of billions of dollars. Like, no, this is somebody's money who, whatever. So, you know, he thought, I, I mean, first of all, I didn't lose. Sure. Money. Sure. Yeah, you I know, joke. But, I'm
0: like, my experience at Lehman Brothers was mostly getting coffee for people. But, um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but but it was a learning experience about human behavior, especially as it relates to to investing. Anyway, did investing. So, kind of started my career investing. What was that, 15, 16 years ago, or something? And then, and then ended up leaving uh, to go back to do a similar job or or business that I had when I was doing web development. So, what happened was Apple announced this new thing called the App Store, and yeah. it was allowed third-party developers to develop apps. As I was looking at Apple, looking at the App Store, I was like, "This is huge! Like, this is this is going to be as big as as you know building websites for people." Yeah. So, what am I going to do? I'm going to start a business building apps for people. So. Started that business, um, it was kind of the same thing, except now I had more business experience, more relationships and stuff like that. The business was based in LA. We had a bunch of clients in New York. I was kind of splitting my time between LA and New York and got a lot of small business clients. I, helped, I mean, these are like interior design firms, law firms, stuff like that, and helping them build apps, you know, that that help them with whatever it is they're doing. And, and doing that and trying to learn more about the technology and behind it, I started to read more like tech crunch articles about companies getting millions of dollars. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like I'm doing the same thing they're doing. Why am I not like, I didn't know anything about venture capital at that yeah. time, you know? So the more I learned about it, the more I realized it was a combination of investing venture capital is a combination of investing, working with technology and working with entrepreneurs, which are the three things that I love doing kind of became totally obsessed with it. And I was like, I'm 100% sure that this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my career. Like, undoubtedly, this is is it. Mm -hmm. And so this is like maybe 2009 or something like that. And so my my thought was like, maybe I'll go hide out in business school and see if I could break into the industry. Because all I heard at the time was like, it's an impossible industry to break into. Yep. A very similar experience. Really? but Yeah, I won't go into it, but around probably around that time. Yeah. yeah that's that's yeah. funny. Yeah. And and this was New York too. So it was mm-hmm. like it was when New York was hot. I mean, well, New York's still hot, but like it, it was like kind of up and coming or viewed yep. as the as that. And my thought was if I go to school in New York and sort of watch how it plays out in New York, LA is a few years behind. So I could kind of take the playbook of what I learned in New York, <laughs> go back to LA and kind of have a quote unquote head start in some regard. Um, so that's exactly what I did. I went to NYU for business school, then graduated and came back to LA. Eventually, landed a role at a firm called Ten One Ten Ventures. Shout out to Ten One Ten. I, I think that they're you know some of the best investors in LA, uh, certainly some of the best operators in LA, uh, and we could talk more about that. But ended. That's kind of how I, I got there. Stayed at Ten One Ten for four or five years. Kind of worked my way up. helped you know, build the firm in some regard from the ground up. Obviously, I was a junior guy on the team, but just learned a ton from David Waxman specifically, uh, who I give a ton of credit to. Yeah, t- tell us a little bit about ten one ten.
0: Yeah, and also maybe the the arc of your role, going from I guess junior kind of associate person at a business school through principal, and and then we can talk about Slauson. Awesome, but I'm just curious yeah. about kind of major learnings there and how you. Evolved your role over time. Sure. And that was also you probably joined in twenty fifteen. Fifteen in, in yeah. LA. So LA yeah. is also just starting. Just 50. starting.
1: Yeah. I mean, there were there were certainly a few firms here already going and investing and and I applied to each and every one of them. <laughs> but not that many, right? <laughs> not that many. Probably, probably what, ten? <laughs> ten, a dozen, yeah. probably yeah. around there. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to find a role. Uh, but I was a guy in New York and they were like, Why do you whatever? Um but <laughs> Anyway, I ended up landing the role of Ten One Ten. So yeah, so I started there and there, there, was, there, was, there were two things that I really, really wanted out of Ten One Ten. One was to break into the industry mm-hmm. and two was to learn from operators, from people who were former founders. At the time, one of the big conversations online was about like whether a VC is worth their weight in salt if they haven't started a venture-backed company before. And and for me, the conversation at the time was that everybody was saying, or, or there was a debate about whether, yep. you know, you needed to have started a venture-backed company to be able to invest in companies and advise companies and things like that. And, you know, and, and, I, and I, on one hand, I get it, all the arguments for it. Obviously, you have some some insight and some things like that that I would never be able to provide cuz I've never started a venture back company. I've started a couple companies, but it's a whole different ball game when you're talking about venture back uh, or a different set of concerns, I'll say. Yeah. But then I on the other hand I look at investors I looked at, you know, I was in New York, look at Fred Wilson who's a career VC and at the top of the game and plenty of others that did not have that operational background. So I I I really wanted to learn the industry from somebody who had that other perspective so I could see what it is that I don't bring to the <laughs> table, and you know, and pick up on whatever I can, but but at the same time have the self awareness to say like, you know, this is not my lane, like, sure. and don't try to overstep where it doesn't make any sense for me to. I I feel like I absolutely got that. I mean, working with it's, it's just going to sound like a sales pitch for ten one ten, <laughs> but but like working with David Waxman, I think he's one of the most sincere, one of the most thoughtful investors out there. Uh, and operationally he knows what he's talking about and and he 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 knows tactically very specifically like a lot of times when i'm in board meetings and i hear very generic advice about you know oh what you should do or people throwing out ideas to founders as if they don't have enough ideas to, to 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 run with or anything like that but like you know to he 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 comes from a place of humility he also comes from a place of like Oh, no, I've seen this before. He, he ran three venture-backed companies right. that all had very different outcomes. And so to watch that for basically years upon years about how he talks to, we. I mean, we've probably talked to hundreds, a hundred, maybe a thousand different yep. entrepreneurs together in conversation, probably more, actually, you know, you just absorb so much. Yeah. So you were there for four or five years.
0: How did you meet your current partner, AJ? Yeah. And... When did you maybe start getting the kernel idea of ready ready to leave and, and start saucing?
1: Yeah, so I actually met AJ in high school. We've oh, known right. each other for 20 plus years. Same high friends. school? We, didn't, we weren't at the same high school. We, we had a, a very close mutual friend, you know, who we're still friends with, um, but we, we a very close mutual friend and we would see each other all the time. And he was always like the hustler on his side of mm-hmm. a, of the world. I was like... Kind of doing stuff tech adjacent and he was like more media and entertainment and like kind of moved in circles of people around mm-hmm. celebrities and stuff like that and um over the years you know we we stayed in touch and kind of you know people that come from where we're, we come from don't typically make it to venture capital or right. something like that that's not a that's not a thing <laughs> but but in our case, both of us did you know he uh he ended up running a fund called queensbridge venture partners with Sure. with Nas, who he met through like different experiences he was at caa for a bit and he started that with with his other good friend anthony soleil who's now at wonderco mm-hmm. so they started that fund i start. I, I was with 10 110 around the same time so we, we kind of always kept tabs on each other he owned a couple restaurants he owned a really popular sports bar here in la called the parlor which if you're from la and you're younger or whatever, you've been to the parlor, basically, you've watched some game there or something like that and done a happy hour. So we've always kind of kept tabs on each other. And I think it was like 2018, toward the end of the year, I started thinking about like, who are the people in my life that I really want to invest in the relationship with? And he was one of the people that I wrote down on that list because it was like, we have a friendship and we always see each other. And every time we talk, it's a good conversation. And we, we vibe and we see eye to eye on a lot of things. Both of us in, are like involved with entrepreneurial stuff. Both of us are involved with a lot of philanthropic stuff and just see eye to eye, but, but in very different ways. And then, you know, the following year, funny enough, like he came to me and was like, he's like, hey, man, I really feel like we should think about starting a fund. Like mm. we've been kicking around the idea again. This kind of came out of sitting you at Hilltop. It. Yeah, basically, it was. It, I mean, it was kind of nuts. Uh, yeah. Like I, like I literally wrote it down, and I guess right. that, that speaks to the power of writing things down. And then you know, we like we've always been friends, but 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 starting to think through business together, and we've always informally advised each other on businesses. I, I was the first investor he talked to about Hilltop, right? About like just how to think about raising capital for it and stuff like that. Like, the more and more came together, and more and more realized like. How we have complementary networks, complementary skill sets, complementary perspectives. And um and yeah, it's I mean, it's it's been great. I couldn't have asked for a when better parts. When you started like talking about
0: and mapping out what you'd want to do and the idea for Slauson, yeah, where did you start? And I'm curious maybe some of the ideas or parts of it that were maybe left on the <laughs> trying board. <laughs> That's a great question. (laughs) Like, was the was the thesis and strategy exactly the same? Like, you both came to the table with the same idea?
1: No. Well, here is here is the nugget that has never ever changed, and and it's about the power of entrepreneurship. And we feel like if you take an inclusive approach, where where you're equipping more people with the skills and resources necessary to be successful entrepreneurs, that you will see that there's a whole untapped market of people that can succeed, that can thrive, that could build something that's game-changing for their community, for the world. And that part has never changed. Whenever we talk about Sloss & Co., we say we're a firm rooted in economic inclusion. Mm-hmm. What we do. We create economic opportunities for everybody. And, you know, when, and when I say everybody, I mean everybody. Like, you know, we're a firm led by people of color. Sometimes we get asked, like, would you invest in a white founder? Like, yeah, we would invest in a white founder, literally for everybody. Right. Like, that's, that's the whole point. Right? Uh, what happens when you talk about inclusivity is obviously a lot of people who felt like they've historically been excluded end up showing up and saying like, oh, you, you must be talking to me too. And we are. Again, we're talking to everybody. So that's the thing that, that kind of has never changed and, and has stayed the same. The other, the other side of, and, and I could talk a bit more about our thesis and uh, how that translates into investment thesis in, in general. But the, as I wanted to answer the other question, which was, what parts do we leave on the table? I think when I first had the idea for the fund, I thought about it as like, what kind of alternatives to venture mm. would be most yep. appropriate for this uh, and that would be group. things like revenue like, financing yeah, and so like, uh, the NDVC. You know, the NDVC type type thing. So shout yeah. out to Bryce Roberts yeah. who you know I like I think led the way in a lot of ways yeah. for exposing that um and accelerating knowledge about that. That was along the lines of kind of what we thought about doing and what and wanted to do. I've come to believe like kind of different things about the incentives that it creates and just generally how the statistics play out in terms of number and like ultimately it leads you closer to creating a venture fund is, yep. is, is what I believe. But so that, that didn't quite make the cut, but, yep. uh, but yeah. So that's like that an makes apple. sense.
0: Um, tactically, so you guys are kind of thinking about the new firm, I guess, what was the moment where you decided to leave your, and where, where was he at that time? At, yeah. at, at Queensbridge?
1: Uh, no, uh, no, no. So he left Queensbridge by that time. He was basically focused on Hilltop and going Hilltop Got and, uh, and some philanthropic stuff he was doing. So starting the firm,
0: like, who was the first person you went <laughs> to? Like, where did you yeah. start? Yeah. you like, okay, we need to, we're convinced we want to go do this. Like, we need to go raise some money. I'll
1: tell you one of the first people that I, that I went to, and she'll laugh about this if she hears it, is Jacqueline from Foundry Group. Mm-hmm. She'll laugh because they were, she was one of the first people that I talked to about this and she was one of the last people to come into our
0: fund
1: <laughs> and you had known her through 10110 I, I knew her through 10110 so foundry's an investor in 10110 i actually knew her before they invested in in 10110 um so you had kind of built some lp
0: relationships at 10110 or you knew a few I knew few. a few folks very yeah.
1: few and yeah. um and and i think that it was i think i i probably left 10110 prematurely um in terms of like you know people usually like all right i got my anchor and 30 percent of my fund is committed now i'm gonna jump ship and then raise the rest we we, we certainly didn't do that but i've heard of
0: folks doing that yeah maybe that's the smart way maybe that's the way i envisioned it happening
1: um but uh but no but
0: i think also once you get Get it in your head, right? Yeah. Then there's never a good time. You that's, just gotta leave and go, that, go that, do it. That,
1: that's that's what it was. It was you know it was time. I had a very candid conversation with David at Ten One Ten. Actually, actually, you know, David asked me about it, and you know, he knew that when I um when I joined Ten One Ten, uh, I, I I told him because I, I told him i had been looking for a job in venture, and I was like, I was like, basically, if I don't get a job here, I was like, I'm gonna start a fund. I'm right. gonna try. And, yep. and actually, it was going to be called Slauson. Um Got it. <laughs> so this was like Got very, it. very much a long time in yeah. in, in, the, in the making. And so he wasn't, you know, he wasn't surprised sure. by that. And kind of just the way that things have played out, I, I think we had a very good conversation. And, you know, and now they're, they're investors, they're LPs in the fund. So yep. obviously, That's continue great. to have a good relationship. What was Jacqueline's feedback? Uh, <laughs> her feedback was to really, really think critically about our... Th- thesis, which, which again, we had the high level, I don't know if you want to call it mission or alignment around ec- economic inclusion, but like, where is their investment opportunity within that that, so what that I'm definitely like? passionate about? Yes. So for us, it translates into two specific investment areas. One is B2B and one is consumer side. On the B2B side, we look for tools that support the next generation of small business owners. So SMB tech exclusively, if you're selling <laughs> to like oracle or coca-cola or something like that not interested yep like that's not what we do and we think that the playbook for smb tech has effectively yet to be written and it's, it's it, more and more people are looking at it more and more people are investing in it but like really there's some some concrete dynamics that run and, and reality is in in a lot of ways the dynamics look a lot closer to consumer <laughs> than it than it does to yep. traditional enterprise and the common refrain is
0: Impossible to sell to small business. Oh, yeah. Long, so, like so there's kind yeah, of a sales
1: cycle, overlooked opportunity, a overlooked opportunity, yep. and and that's what sort of uh, is an opportunity to generate alpha. Like like this is the and and for us, it's like how do we create tools that empower more small business owners mm-hmm. and the people who run the hilltops of the world to make sure that they can compete with right. with the start. And you guys are running those small yeah. businesses. And we're so running. Probably them. Have that's yes, exactly. And I built like. I was building technology for those small businesses mm-hmm. for, for, you know, the earlier stage in my career. So, like, it was very natural to us to say, this is the community on the business side that we want to serve. Yep, And that's in L.A. and beyond? In L.A. and beyond. Yeah. It was not, all it was not exclusive US. all throughout the yeah. U.S. Uh, we, we sort of have a have a thesis that a lot of the people that we're aiming to serve are, are and, and that we can support best are those that are historically disconnected from Silicon Valley as a result of that. don't think we have we have 18 portfolio companies now not a single one of them is based Mm. in silicon valley but they're based all over the rest of the u.s yep yeah so there's there there was that b2b side the smb tech and then on the consumer side we invest in what we call culturally aligned consumer so it's basically products and services that are targeting underserved populations or overlooked demographics and so it could be categories that other people may think of as saturated or done or completed or well served or whatever but then when you look at like some particular population, like they're, they're like, this product doesn't work for me at all. Right. Uh, to make it more concrete, I'll give you an example. There's a company called Pressed Roots, uh, which is uh, based in Dallas. It's, it's essentially dry bar for women with textured hair. So, mm-hmm. you know, dry bar, like most people's response is, why well, couldn't dry bar deal with textured hair you ask most women, like particularly like black women around their hair, th- like first of all, hair care spend in that demographic and black women way outstrips everybody right. else. Yep. Um, but then secondarily, most often don't set foot in dry bar because mm-hmm. they'd say like, you have no idea how to deal with my hair. Right. So I was so. fuck his dry bar. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, so they <laughs> in, so, a nu-
1: in a nutshell in a, in a nutshell yeah. yes. And so so they ended up going. Uh, so she ended up start. She she was running a bunch of pop ups with her process. They would sell out everywhere. She was doing them up and down the East Coast. She, brilliant woman, African American woman. She went to HBS, like super smart, mm. super talented. You know, uh, and and just had this insight. She couldn't get her hair done anywhere right. in Boston. So she ended up doing this, super successful, ended up going back to Texas, opening up her first location in Dallas. Um, her her thing has been sold out for a year. Like, you can't get a seat in this place. Like, you can't just walk in and say, all right, I'd like to get my hair done. But it's like, it's kind of a similar thing, but but it's targeting a specific population. And she could, she could open this, continue to open this everywhere. There's actually more women with textured hair than right. not. In in the US, yep. and if you look at demographic trends, it continues that way. So Jacqueline said, go back oh, to yeah. the drawing board. <laughs> well, that was, and basically refine, said refine the things. thesis, right? Yes. Refine
0: the thesis a bit. Who is the first person basically he went to and actually asked for a check? And I assume maybe you have like the beginnings of a deck.
1: Yeah. So we had a deck. First person we got asked for a check. Eh, more specifically, first person we talked to about it that offered a check. Uh, was David Waxman right? Ten with ten, yeah, and um, and that was a obviously a huge sign. Like everything from like when people ask like, "Oh, did he leave on bad terms?" or sure. or was he frustrated because he didn't make partner? Like all the things that, that people could come up with in their heads, sort of and none of it's true. Solve it's like it's solved. Yep. and then after that, there are a couple like key, very key early people that I thought about. One of them I'll I'll say is a is a woman named Melissa Lucas who had uh, who introduced us. Who introduced us? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so funny. Yeah, all right, yes, uh, uh, and, and is,
0: I, I'm huge, huge, Missy, huge, Missy huge fan. Missy's She's here in LA. Awesome.
1: Yes, yeah. and uh, and I'm glad that we're talking about her now. So also
0: an investment notation. In yes, yes. So, yeah.
1: yes. so yeah. Yeah, let's let's put her on the map, and because <laughs> she, <laughs> she deserves, deserves it. She totally. deserves it.
0: She deserves. She's it. under the radar. So she
1: was the first person who sat down and heard our story and was like, who didn't know us at all, yep. and was like, you guys are are onto this. Like, I don't understand why your fund isn't raised yet. Hmm. And and you like the the credibility and how you guys think about it, your background, your networks, all this, like, I don't get it. And, and, and she committed right wow. then. That's and, amazing. and, and it was, and it was like, and it was such a, uh, that's so huge when you're like, all right, David committed. He knows me. We have a great relationship. He see me work, all those other things. This is somebody who didn't know me and like, and heard what we had to say. And say, Yeah, yeah, you guys got it. And and that was a huge boost of confidence to us that we could actually
0: do it. Yeah, I remember some of those for my partner Alex and I, um, in the very beginnings of notation us like we had one or two of those two and w- walking out being like oh fuck did that like yeah. that that actually happened? <laughs> happened like did we get that done those are those are really awesome yeah. so she was she was an instant believer. she
1: was a she was a That's she amazing. was an instant believer we we met well i should say we i think we met like two or three times she does do her diligence yeah. she is an lp with
0: real conviction
1: uh, with no real doubt conviction about it. real conviction yep not 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 that oh such and such is in yeah. yep so so yeah so that was that was a big Transition point for us. Yeah. And then from there, we still didn't have a lot of commitments. Um, And then probably a big inflection point for us uh, was the summer of of 2020, uh, or I should say spring and summer of 2020. So post-COVID, post-George Floyd. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of corporations came back with it and created initiatives Mm -hmm. in response to George Floyd basically saying we're going to take more initiative about, about creating opportunities for capital to go to fund managers led by funds led by people of color. Yep. Um so like PayPal was super fast on it. They they're, you know, one of our biggest LPs. And and that helped with a lot of the on the credibility side too, where we could say, oh, is an investor. Um and then we got Google, we got um I'm trying to think of who's announced already. <laughs> so got a bunch of Well bunch I read about reporters. also Ron Conway being yes uh, being
0: um big believer and, and supporter. Huge for you guys. Yeah.
1: Huge. So Ron yeah. Ron was, uh, was, uh, everybody kept telling me I needed to talk to Ron. I'm like, of course I'll, I'd love a conversation. You know, I don't know if like whatever, but, um, uh, we, we, we had the conversation. We were scheduled to talk for 30 minutes. It ended up being a two and a half hour call. Wow. And probably I think the next day Ron probably sent me about Fifteen emails. I don't know if you know Ron, but uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I think he sent me about intros. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Just questions and like, here's how we could do this, and what do you think about this, or do you know these people? All these other things. The next day, he probably sent me thirty emails. Oh my gosh! The day after that, probably, probably for the next week and a half, it it was between. Ten and 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 wow. thirty to fifty emails, just a like day. jamming about just, the yeah, fund and strategy I, yes, and, and fundraising, that, and yeah. that's how he goes. And he, he's that man is a monster, yeah. like with killer work ethic. And and he was critical. I mean, he made a ton of introductions. I mean, he probably got us a, a a third of the of our LPs, in, wow. uh, you know, uh, single handedly. So yeah. like, you know, a huge huge contributor yeah. to what
0: we're doing. So fund is raised. You've been investing for about a year. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We started last January. About a year, eighteen investments. I'm curious, all the things you imagined about running this fund. Yeah, when you know the sort of like rubber hits the road, so to speak. Yeah. Like, what are the things that have been interesting or surprising or or challenging um, in actually like running your own fund versus obviously being um, a principal at a yeah. at a different firm? Maybe uh-huh. good and bad.
1: Yeah, I think. One is uh, you know, I've been investing professionally, I guess, since two thousand six, right? And 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 I I build myself and think of myself as an investor. I would say that so much of building a firm is not investing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's team building. Uh like obviously a huge part is investing. So I, I get to do that. But I guess in terms of surprising is is the, the personal challenge of all these other things that, yep. that, that I, I need to figure out either how to do well or delegate. And I, I fashioned myself as a good investor. I didn't previously fashion myself as a good executive or a good mm-hmm. manager or things like that. But, and, and that's been, that's been the, the challenge. I mean, like, yeah. but on the flip side of that same coin, now that's probably the part that I'm most proud of. Like our team is killer. And you like, added three people? We have so it's me and AJ uh then we have three other people full time now. Um we're actually hiring a fourth. So so there's Jesus Salas, brilliant guy is a is a senior associate with us now. Came from Omidyar Network. Um has a has a you know first of all everybody has like a very sort of is 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 passionate about the mission and yep. the work that we're doing. Is everybody in LA, Every, uh, Jesus is in, in Oakland. Okay. actually actually, um, so after we finally finish opening the office, like yeah. we'll see about like whether it makes sense to have him come yeah. down. We're still figuring out our whole remote yeah. work thing, and then you know the other team. I mean, and we have the rest of the team: Brittany Crockett, who's our head of platform. She was actually our first hire. We have this really really active engaged LP base who wants to get in and get their hands dirty and support and like how do we how do we Mm -hmm. engage that to make sure that we're getting squeezing every drop we can in support of our portfolio founders and that's Brittany's job and she's phenomenal at it and Eileen supports Brittany we we had Eileen as a as an intern right out of college and um and she just did great work and so we brought her on full-time must be kind of cool to mentor that group it is um, after, I, I think you know it's the mo- yourself yeah it's, for the most, years. it's the it's the reward it's super rewarding i mean not exactly the same but like i'm also you know i'm a dad too so like in the same way that you see somebody else developing and growing and 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 learning the industry and building relationships it's it's rewarding to see What's the big plan going forward?
0: <laughs> so first <laughs> the fun one was seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah, we, we were
1: targeting fifty. We ended up getting a ton of momentum toward the. That's tail amazing. End. And, uh, yeah. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank
0: you. When you think about slawson five ten yeah fifteen years from now yeah what does that I'm curious like what does that look like from a fun perspective and what does that look like in terms of like more of not a I don't want to say impact in yeah. in like. The, like the goal is to make a lot of money y- yes yeah. right but i'm curious like in the most wildly optimistic scenario like what does that mean for the yeah. people on, yep. and around yep. the firm
1: yeah um that's a great question um yeah to your point we don't we've never considered ourselves an impact fund and you know and the and the uh, sure. and you know our goal is to outperform everybody our, our scorecard is cash when cash returns and irr and we um And, and, and so the, the thought of, uh, what it means down the line, like in in many ways, I, I, I have a chip on my shoulder of if I would have known about venture capital when I was at 16 doing websites for people, I'd have built a billion dollar business by Hmm. now. And for me personally, it's, it's, it's correcting for that, Hmm. for the, for the, for the next generation. The fact that the fact that there was me, the the same ambition I had then is the same ambition I have now, like, and the timeline's just different. And so this is where I feel like, where I feel like I could make the biggest difference. And I don't make a difference unless I am outperforming, unless we're a top performing fund, we're we're not moving the needle on whether, whether dollars and access and resources and people start paying attention to the 16 year old Austin, you know what I mean? Yep. So for me it's it's deeply personal and it's, and it's and I'm in a place where I feel like like I can't fail. So I work my ass off. I I'm I'm deeply passionate about it and, you know, again, we're out here to compete, we're out here to win. Yep. Uh from a fun perspective, do you imagine does
0: that mean like every every stage of the stack at some point or are you like No. Squarely focused on early stage. Yeah.
1: Uh, we're, we're 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 focused on early stage, and, and I'm going to tell you why. Is because because let's t- it's, let's take 16 year old Austin yeah. or 20 year old. I'm basically Austin, I'm asking when when's the billion <laughs> yeah. dollar Austin? Yeah. Yeah. and yeah. I, 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 I don't I don't I don't know that it'll happen because okay. it, it, because because the reality is like where we where we see the disconnect in the market is at the entry point for Mm. these communities, for like, for people that like, I don't know, I'm, I'm building a successful business, have a great idea, great concept. Uh, People believed in me. I'm the guy that, that all my life people like, oh, this guy's going to be successful. Like, you know, those are the types of people we're betting on. Like nobody's surprised that these, this person, you know, raised money and and is doing their thing. So it's equipping that person, you know, I guess with, with success, I want to make sure I answer your question correctly though. How, how did you frame the question? Because I want to. Oh, I'm it. just
0: curious, like, if you feel like you could sort of, this is a very LP question, yeah, no, 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 so no, no, excuse no, me, fine. but but like, if you, in theory, could scale yeah. what you do to later stage companies, yes, or okay, or I guess your it. point is that the later stage companies are already it's, it, it, understood. You take
1: that same person and basically you... Bring them into, or, or or you help them at the very earliest stage. This this is what we do. <laughs> we right. we we're, we're authentically connected to these communities. This is what we live. We're authentically connected to Silicon Valley and you know the capital there. We we see every day that there's this sort of translation problem, yep. and we and we act as that bridge in yep. many in 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 many ways. After you act as that bridge, that person can compete with whoever else is in their category. And so the, the alpha for us is not generated at the B stage or yep. anything like that. It's 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 the fact that we're looking at somebody who has historically not really been paid attention to, and so you can yep. so you can find really interesting opportunities there. And we run our playbook and then get that person on the same track. Last question for you. I just want to chat a little bit about some of the
0: philanthropic work that you do through Pledge LA, and um, and you mentioned AJ does. A bunch of work as yeah. well. And I'm just I'm just curious what that looks like.
1: Uh, sure. So, yeah, before Flossen and Kobe started, um, I was founding chair of an organization called Pledge LA, which was an initiative created from the Annenberg Foundation and Mayor Garcetti's office. And it was designed to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion across the tech community in LA. So we got over 200 uh, venture firms and tech startups, you know, everything from Snap to all the big name firms that you know out here to sign this pledge. Around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we we work and provide data to con- and continue to provide data to uh, support that um, to to see what progress is being made. We always felt like L.A. has a huge advantage in a very diverse population, mm-hmm. and so how do we take advantage of that and play to that advantage to build for a really strong tech ecosystem here? Uh, I uh, now Kiana Patterson is 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 chair of Pledge L.A., so I I did I, I, I led it for two years. And now she's doing a phenomenal job and taking it to higher heights. On AJ's side, he started an organization uh, called Hashtag Lunchbag, which was kind of a, he and his buddies got together and put some meals together um, for people. Uh, it's, it's focused on food insecurity and homelessness. And so he, like, they would make meals and lunch bags and just hand them out. It started kind of as a small thing. And now. In this neighborhood? Uh, yeah, it start, it started um, actually at the parlor. Okay. Yeah, which was which was on Melrose, and then all right, it started in his house actually. Then it went to the parlor once <laughs> more people joined, and now it's in 150 cities around the world. Wow! With and they just served their millionth meal. Wow! And uh, we're actually doing an event in New York. Oh, cool! Uh, well, Slauson and Co. is doing it in conjunction with hashtag Lunch Bag um, uh, in a couple of weeks. So I'll shoot you the details yes, of that. <laughs> And then, but, you know, again, that's the philanthropic stuff that sort of serves as a basis. But wh- how, what that came to with Slauson & Co. was we created an accelerator program called Friends and Family. I don't have to explain to you, like, that obviously a lot of the the, the companies that we see or that get to us often started with some friends and family capital. and. What we know is that a lot of America doesn't have right. friends and family that they could tap into for twenty, fifty thousand dollars 50000 to, you know, get started, pay the rent for a couple of things, months while they work on an idea or yep. building it out. So we, we separate from the fund. We have a nonprofit at, that provides $20,000 in non-dilutive capital to 20 companies. Um, we had over 600 each, applications each year. Uh, each or you year. just started it? We so just those started, a, those started the first it. Yeah, we just we yeah. just we just finished the accelerator. Yep. We had some great speakers come in. Nate from Airbnb. We had uh, Jonah Peretti from BuzzFeed. And that was Stacey locally. From Task like Rabbit. the companies uh, are was, here virtual. or virtual, and so yeah. it was companies across the country. But we all, yeah, they like we just just had a ton of people come in and speak and support and. It was a 12 week program and now these companies are off, you know, doing way better than even they were before. But yep. uh, again, these are talented founders that, you know, when you see $20,000 and a couple of connections and introductions and some insights from some talented people who've done it before it could make all the difference in the world. So, you know, we want to continue to to run that. that program. I love that. That's amazing. Um, Thank
0: you so much for chatting. This was really fun. Um, I'm excited to come back and see this finished off <laughs> it's done
1: when we have when we have art on the wall. <laughs> no, but
0: congrats on getting uh Slosson off the ground and I think you guys will do amazing things here in here in LA and beyond. So thanks. thank you for thanks
1: and, and unlike the like fake VC thing, let's do some deals together for real. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta say it. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta say it. You gotta say it. Thanks, Austin. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. This podcast was created by notation. Notation is a first-check venture capital firm in New York. We work with technical founding teams from day zero. Notation companies are always hiring. Check out jobs.notation.vc. You can also find us on Twitter at Notation Capital.